Give the Lord a clap offering as you're seated. God bless you. God bless you so much. There are so many things that are going on, and uh, we want you to be aware of all those things that are happening. Uh, we're going to receive this morning our tithe, our offerings, and I want you to understand your giving, God doesn't have to have it. But if you want God's blessings, you have to give it. He said, give and it shall be. There's so many people today, they think, well, I don't have to give to a church. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to live right. You don't have to breathe. Stop breathing. You don't have to do anything. But you get to give. And what a blessing it is to give back unto the Lord. And thank the Lord He didn't ask for 30 or 40%. Amen? He said, bring your tithe and your offerings to the storehouse. And he said, try me now in this and see that I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out upon you a blessing that you cannot contain. Guys, I am a living proof that God will do His Word. But you've got to live His Word. So take your tithe, your offering today. Hold it in your hand. And he says to give it. So ushers, I want you to come stand across the front in front of the aisle here. I want you today to do something different. I want you to bring your offering to the altar. If you say, well, Pastor, I can't walk, hand it to somebody. They'll bring it to you. They'll bring it up here to us. But we're going to pray, and this is something I believe so important. This is a very important part of worship. Father, I ask you right now as we prepare to give back to you a portion of what you have blessed us with. God, I know that your word is true in Malachi where it says give and it shall be. And when it says to try me now in this and see, to bring your tithe and your offerings to the storehouse and try me in this and see that I, talking about you, Lord, will not open the windows of heaven. Father, we all, every person in here would admit they want and desire the blessings in their finances. But Lord, this is the hardest thing for us to do because this is faith. This is sowing a seed, not not seeing not seeing the plant but you promised to bless us pressed down shaken together and running over and what a promise so fathers we give today we do so as your word says we give cheerfully in Jesus name amen bring your offering up front here we're going to uh Receive that. Thank you so much for your giving. Thank you for those that have been so faithful in giving to our Project Renew. Uh, it's been such a blessing uh, of how God is, is allowing us to redo uh, all of our nursery areas. We are hopefully, with uh, much prayer, going to finish that this week. Amen. So as you give, if you give towards Project Renew. Those of you that are giving online, thank you for giving online. We have so many people since we've allowed that that are giving there. Let's give all of them a great big hand. We appreciate you for all that you're giving, sowing into the ministry. May God bless you in all that you do. This morning as I was praying for today's message, go ahead and receive another offering, men, as you exit out the building. Go ahead and uh, pass the uh, offering plates again. As I was praying this morning, uh, I, knew, I knew Brother Wayne would do that. The Lord has, has really impressed upon me some, uh, some things that we're doing here. And, and I was watching yesterday, uh, Clarice and I were watching this, this comedian, Christian comedian, and he was talking about how, you know, all these people that get up and they say, oh, the Lord has given me this word, and they, they have to make this certain face, you know, like there's this horrible stench in the church, you know, like the Lord has given me a word. Like there's a dead animal in front of them. Because they feel like if they can show enough emotion outside that you're going to believe it. Let me tell you something. When it's a word from God, it moves the spirit, man. The Bible says that the spirit bears witness with the spirit. So when we, when we talk about a move of God, a move of God has nothing to do with what we do outside. It should move you outside. <laughs> Amen? Some of you know how to move outside. But, uh, but it, should, it should get our attention. But a move of God happens within our heart. But as I was praying and going through the sanctuary this past week, I just felt that mountain. I didn't know your mountain, but I felt the pressure of the church. And, and that's not a good thing for a pastor. 
because you wonder, what can I do? That's the next question that every pastor, what can I do to help this? The only thing that I can do to help you is the very thing that I have to do. We have to stay in the Word every day of our life. So I'm going to give you two this morning. I've got many things that I wanted to mention, but I did not believe I did not believe we'd get to all 13. So I just put two things to know when troubles come. And how many of you know troubles will come? I'll give you two things to help you. There's 13 total. I'll get those to you later for a small minimal fee of $55. And if you buy it online, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, guys. <laughs> Man, y'all got to lighten up a little bit. Uh, <laughs> Two things. Trouble's going to come. It's, it's, it's promised. You know, for those that uh, have ever been raised in the church and said, boy, if you just give your life to the Lord, you won't have no more trouble. Uh, you better not give your life to the Lord if you don't want trouble. Because trouble, <laughs> trouble's attracted to those who are following the Spirit. The flesh doesn't always get the memo. How many of you got saved on a Sunday morning and went out Monday morning and realized, uh-oh, my flesh didn't get saved? Am I the only one? Okay, oh, I thought Jesus, I'm the only one. Yeah, you forgot that uh, when, you're, when, you're, when your spirit man got saved, and I've heard this over and over, many of you have said it, I've even said it because I didn't know what to say. Oh, I just felt the burdens of the world leave. But it's so amazing that when I went out back to the world, they were still there. And, and I didn't know how to live. The Bible says the just shall live by faith, but... But I didn't know what faith was and I didn't know how to put faith in anything. And here's what the problem is today in our world. Uh, the church or the world doesn't see any difference between them and us. I looked this up this morning of five reasons why people stopped going to church in 2018. The top five reasons. Here's what they were. Number one. The number one thing, and these are in order. Number one thing was church is irrelevant because they're hypocrites in the church. Some of y'all know some, yeah. Hypocrites. Hypocrites. Well, the Bible says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and we're all sinners saved by grace, so we should be a bunch of sinners saved by grace. Okay? Number two, they said God is missing. Now, I don't really, I didn't really get this one as much. I didn't have time to read the underneath the top, but, but God is missing. How do you know if God is missing if you don't know who He is? said God is missing, so I thought that was pretty good, and that's top two. Number three was, there's not enough word taught. And one of the things in there, and this was under the millennial section of that, it said, we're tired of hearing the Bible says this, but they want to know where it says it in the Bible. I thought that was pretty good. I thought we should be giving Scripture. We should be looking at the Word. I, I think we do need to maybe pull out a, a Bible and look at it. <laughs> Y'all know what this is? <laughs> The B-I-B-L-E, it's not Bible Gateway, it's New King James. Jesus, I just got struck by three people. Well, I know the King James is the original, that Jesus was King James. I'm making fun. But they said there was not enough word taught. What they meant by that, to explain that, they said there was just not enough Scripture reference to go with, this is what the Word says. So it means there's a lot of tickling of ears there. Number four was, they're not finding, new people, outsiders, said they're not feeling the family feel. What does that mean? That means they feel like stepchildren. That means they feel like, they feel like we're staring at them and we're waiting to approve them. It's like we've got to have a family meeting to accept them. It's like this. Who is that? You ever, you ever see somebody give you that look? You know, like Tommy and them, they're, they're pretty new. And you go, who, who is that? I see you. I get to see all of you. I know what you're doing. Facebooking. Retweeting things. and Planning where you're going to lunch. And I get it. You get to see all that. But when new people come in, they feel like they're not part. That's a hard thing to fix. I thought, is there a way to fix it? I don't know. Maybe there is. Number five. This was, the, this was number five. They said they're sick of hearing about values and mission statements and seeing neither of them fulfilled. <laughs> yeah. Here was the top challenges, top ten challenges in 2018. Top ten. Number one, abuse. 
was one of the top. It was physical and mental abuse was the top one. Number two was addiction. That could be addiction to a number of things, but addiction was there. Number three is communication. I thought that was amazing that three was that high on the list. Three was communication. Number four, this is challenges families are facing. Number four is divorce. They said since five years ago, divorce has gone up 40 to 50% in 2018, which is causing this. It's causing a growing number of problems when moms and dads are not in the same house. And here's the problems that they're causing. Mental, mental problems, social problems, and educational problems because they feel like they're in a broken, that, that should be the most secure place they are. Number five is dealing with grief. I thought that was strange that it was five. Number six, parenting problems. The reason they said there's parenting problems is because the mom has left the home. I know, I know we live in a different world, but when, when both are working and you send your kid to be raised by somebody else, this is what happens. Pornography, number seven, same-sex attraction, suicide, and foundational faith issues. Nobody knows what they believe anymore. That's why people are jumping from church to church until they hear what they want to hear. Here's my thing. Search it out in here. The Bible says know the truth, and the truth shall what? The truth will set you free. So if you find somewhere a church that's not preaching the Word, don't go there. But if they're preaching the Word, what's wrong with it? Here's the problem, I think. Many times the Word stings us. You ever have this, the Word sting you? The Bible says it's like a two-edged sword. That stings, ain't it? Cuts bone and marrow. It's pretty sharp. It'll cut you. There's times when I read it, it just cuts me to the heart. I think, oh, no, I'm going to go to hell again. Y'all ever feel that way? Is it okay? Honesty's good for the soul? There's times I read it and go, man, oh, man, how am I going to make it? But there's all kind of troubles that come, and here's what I want to talk to you just a few moments about troubles. Troubles in life will many times sneak up on you. Yeah, they don't, you don't plan for trouble. How many of you plan that your kid's going to be crazy? How many of you made plan? You just you have your family meeting, you know, with your wife in the, in the master bed, you go, you know what, our kids are going to be nuts, so here we got to, we got to get some plans together. They're going to go crazy. They're going to go crazy. How many of you plan that your job is just going to play out? Anybody ever planning for that? How many of you plan for your spouse to leave you? If you are, you've got some serious issues in your marriage. Brother David, don't leave her. Sit down. I'm just kidding. For those of you that are watching, Brother David is going outside. I want you to understand that issues many times are created by us, but a lot of issues are not. I want to talk to you about the issues that are not. I'm not talking about the issues that you and I create. If you're a gossip and people gossip about you, don't talk to me about everybody's talking about me because you're here talking to me about them. You reap what you... Yeah, you sow it, you're going to reap it. I mean, you sow potatoes, you're going to get potatoes. <laughs> but here's what the Bible... Here's the great assurance that we have with Scripture. And I want you to see Scripture. And for those of you that... Maybe watch you say, you know, I don't, I don't know about Scripture. I want to, I got to see it. Well, let's uh, let's look. And these are not up there yet, but I'm going to show you some in James. I'm also going to show you uh, some here in in the book of John. Now, John 16:33 says this: These things I spoke to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. How many of you are in the world? I didn't say you were of the world, but you're in the world. The Bible says to be in the world, but not of the world. So we are to be set apart, even added another line in there, to be a what? Peculiar people. I guess they took the book of James out of my Bible. There it is right there. Couldn't find it. He says, in the world you will have tribulation, but this, he said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. In the world, you're going to have tribulation. What is tribulation? Tribulation is anything that tries your faith. Anything that causes problems. Tribulation could be anything like losing your job that you've been at all your life and you've lost all your 401k and you just don't know what you're going to do. I had a man that uh, was in the church before, not this church, but in a church that we were a part of on staff of. He was in a, in a job for over 20 plus years, had his 401k, had everything that he could ever want. Next Sunday he came in and he said, 
Well, guess what? I've lost my job. I'm unemployed. I've never seen anybody else in my life approach me with that news in that way. He had a blessed assurance that Jesus is mine. He knew the first part of this scripture where it says that these things I have spoke to you that in me you will have peace. Well, his wife didn't quite understand that because she was wondering how are we going to make it. Now, it's a legit question and it's understandable. Because when you're at his age and he was in his mid-50s, it was harder for him, he felt like, to go find it. But he said, you know what? If God allowed this one to be removed, God's setting me up for something else. Now that's faith. Faith is believing things that are not as though they are. It's speaking things that are not as though they are. It's having a hope for something, but not seeing it. So we must learn to live life that way. And that's a hard place to live because it's on a dependency that we cannot touch. All we can touch is the Word. But the just shall live by faith. So we see there that John tells us this, in the world there will be tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Who? He has. Not the church, not your neighbor, not your prayer team, and not you. We are made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the Word of our testimony. But I think that sums up a lot there. I think the word of our testimony, we've been testifying a bunch of junk. And the world comes in here and hears us whining, hears us speaking doom and gloom, and they're thinking, well, gosh, I get that out there. And they don't see the difference. They don't see the prayer meetings. Hear me. They don't see the the long services anymore. Oh, we ain't got to have long services. Well... Let me tell you something. Just a few weeks ago, we had a little service that went a little longer than normal. And I'm telling you, somewhere around 1230, we had a little breakout. And someone said this to me. I didn't say this, but someone in the church said this. Maybe we had to clean out a little bit so we could touch God. I didn't say that. I can point them out, but I ain't going to do it. Ain't going to do it. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 8 says, We are hard-pressed on every side. Hard-pressed. Not... Not a little tap. We're hard pressed on every side. But he says we are not crushed. We are perplexed. Not in despair. You ever see somebody perplexed? What do people that are perplexed do? I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know where I'm going to get my money. I don't know if I'm going to get a job. I don't know if I got work. I don't know if she's going to stay with me. I don't know if my kids are going to. That's perplexed. That's people don't have a clue what's going on in life. There's no peace. He said, I'll give you a peace that surpasses your own understanding. This is telling us we're hard-pressed, not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying around in the body, in our body, the death of Jesus. What does that mean? The death of Jesus is what saves us. It's through His death, it's through His death that we now have life. Not a permanent, not a, not a physical life, but a spiritual life that will never die. Eternal life. And whether you've expe- ex- accepted His invitation to heaven or not, you still have an eternity and a destiny that you're headed to right now. And you're either headed to hell or you're headed to heaven. And I know in today's world we shouldn't say that word, hell. But there's a place prepared for people that don't want to go to heaven. It's called hell. It's a lake of fire and brimstone. The Bible says that the, the fire will never be cr- and the flesh will never be consumed. Which you ever have you ever get burned and you pull it off and you go, oh, get the aloe. And you put ice on it and you try to you try to soothe it. This will never be soothed. Which perplexes me to say, why in the world would you want to go there? Why would you want to go to hell? Why would you allow whatever it is you're doing to risk eternity? Because eternity could be at any moment. And it doesn't mean the rapture. You could could develop an aneurysm and drop dead at this moment. Well, that's terrible to hear, ain't it? It could happen. You could leave this building right now on your way to lunch and somebody drive into you. How many of you seen the accident that happened right here in Gunnersville at 5 o'clock the other morning? Guy runs off the road. I don't know what happened or what, but he ran right through a gas pump. Now, can you imagine sitting there pumping gas and all of a sudden, (laughs) man, I didn't know that was coming. I should have planned for that this morning. 
Things happen. It's called life. And when life happens, you need to be prepared. Not prepared physically. You can't be prepared physically for the things that are going to come many times, but you can always be prepared spiritually. That to live is Christ, but to die is gain. We can have the mentality of Paul where he said, if I live, I'm going to live for Christ. But if I die, I'm going to heaven. But we have forfeited the right to go to heaven for little things. What are the little things? Whatever it is God's convicting you about. Not me. Not Whatever God is convicting you with this. The Bible says in the book of James, what is wrong to a man is sin to that man. If you think it's wrong, it's sin to you. That stinks, don't it? Because it may not be outlined in the Scripture that says this one thing. But if it's wrong to you, there are things that are wrong to me that many of you may not think are wrong. I think it's wrong to leave your buggy in the parking lot at a grocery store without putting it in the cart. I don't care what you think. It's wrong to me. I think it's wrong when you grab bacon out of the cold section and put it in the cereal aisle. You know what those, you know what those teenagers that are, that are stock guys are going to do? They don't care about that. They're going to pull it off the shelf and go, bacon. Put it back in the bacon thing and it's already been sitting sour and soaking and then I'm going to bite and cook it and almost die. I bought a chicken one day. It was a cooked chicken. Looked great. We used to love, I used to love those. I won't eat them now. But you could go in and get a whole chicken. I could feed my whole family with a whole chicken. Grab that chicken, put it in the car, and before I got home, I was almost... I had all the windows down going, what in the world is that smell? And it was that chicken. I brought it in the house, and Bruce said, my Lord, what is that smell? And I set it on the counter, and she opened the lid of that thing, and one of his legs... One leg was that big and the other leg was that big and it was swollen out and it was all kind of colors. She said, you got to take that back. I said, that ain't going nowhere with me. See, that's what happened. Somebody thought, let's have chicken. And hauled it around and said, I don't want chicken. And it sat behind the cereal box for two or three weeks. And the stock boy said, hey, that's a chicken! That's not Fruit Loops. Put it back in the warmer. And I buy it. To me, that's sin. Shouldn't do that. Shouldn't do that. But it may not be a problem to you. If you can leave a buggy out, that's good for you. It's not good for me. And I'm not saying you have to put it back. I'm just saying work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It's just the right thing to do. So James tells us this. James chapter 1. If you have your Bible. I used to love to hear this sound. Everybody go... Yeah, sound. I love that sound. Now it's just like faces light up. Of course, we don't keep it dark in here, so I can't see your face lighting up, so I don't know what you're doing. James chapter 1 says this about troubles. He says, James, a bondservant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which were scattered abroad, he says, Greetings, my brethren, count it all joy. <laughs> Isn't that a great letter? Think about it. This is the bondservant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. He's sending a letter out to the twelve tribes. He says, greetings, everyone. My brethren. Count it all joy when you go through various trials. I'm not supposed to be going through trials. Count it all joy when you go through various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. That is the wor- one of the worst lines to me in the Scripture ever. I don't like to have to have to produce patience. Nobody likes to wait. It, yesterday, yesterday we had a storm come through. Power went out. You'd have thought the world had come to an end. Facebook lights up. Anybody got power? Anybody, where's the power gone? Everybody's panicking about the power. And I thought, you know what? Just set, Everybody settle down. I said, girls, get in the car. We're going to eat. Well, we're just going to drive until we see power. 
So we get to Zaxby's. Well, there's a major crisis happening at Zaxby's because the power is on, but the cash registers went down during the glitch of the power. Well, you got teenagers in there running things, and I love you guys, but I'm telling you, you got a lot of training there. They're going, oh, the cash register, and the manager comes out, and he, I don't think, I don't know what, who he is, and he says, all right, everybody, calm down. Greetings. We're glad you're here at Zaxby's. We're going to take care of you. However, we can't take your payment right now. We're going to write your order down. I thought, this is a disaster. So the girl, she says, what am I going to write? I don't have anything to write. He says, I'm going to get you some paper. I'm going to get you a pen. You're going to write the order down. You're going to pass it to the window. And, and the guy back there is going to make the food. And then we'll take the payment at the end. Easy. That's easy. Not for them. These two girls went blank. They were like, well, what am I, what am I going to do? What, do I write the price next to it? I said, I don't think you have to do that. Just write down what I'm getting and then we'll come back and we'll tally it up at the end. I said, I'm not leaving. So she writes it down. She sends it back to him. And he's like, what is this? Nobody told me we were doing it this way. It's a major crisis. And that crisis was not planned that day. The manager didn't come in and go, today we possibly could have a glitch in the system. The power could go off, the cash register not work for just a few minutes, and we might have to write it on a piece of paper. So get some paper and a pen ready just in case. And that problem probably could have been diverted. But when you're in the midst of life, you don't have time to stop and make new plans. When you find out you have a sickness that can take your life, all of a sudden life starts changing priorities. That's what happens many times. When you find out that you have the, the C word, oh, I can't see you. Cancer? Let me tell you something. Brother C, I, it doesn't matter to me how I die. I've often contemplated, do I want to die or do I want to be raptured? I thought, I've watched so many people die in the faith and that's so cool. <laughs> I'm coming, Lord. I see, I see you, mom and grandmother, and, and your family's over there. Go, oh, don't die, don't die. You don't see nobody. Ain't nobody in the room. Don't die. And you, yeah, they're, they're coming. When I, if I get to that place, you may say you shouldn't joke like that. If I ever get to that place, my family's going. They, I'm gonna see all kind of stuff. There's something great about watching people of great faith dying and going into heaven. But I also thought, wouldn't it be neat to be just gone? In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, I, I can't even blink that fast. In the moment, in the twinkling of not even a little glitch. You know how when you're not had enough water and your eyes are twitching? It's going to be so fast. And listen, here's what's amazing to me. Scientists have already figured out the rapture. Did y'all know that? I was watching just a few years ago about how they said that there's, there's meteors that are all the time hitting Earth's atmosphere and, and the great thing is they're not big enough, but there's one coming. They're already for it. And, and when it comes, it's not going to hit and penetrate the atmosphere, but when it hits, our atmosphere is so strong because it was just... You know, it just kind of happened. It just kind of spun into existence. And, and, and this super being just wrapped around this only one planet that, that life is on. Ain't that amazing? And this meteor is going to come in and when it hits it, it's going, to, it's going to be so powerful that the meteor is going to split. But they said it's not a problem. But when it splits, there's going to be just a moment. They said just a moment of no gravity. Well, how convenient is that? So when the rapture happens and you decide to stay, you can say, Pastor told me that meteor was coming. Because they're going to get on the news and they're going to say, Hey, the meteor hit, people have disappeared, but you're here. We're all good. Let's all get a tattoo. Y'all know what that is? The mark of the beast. Probably happened in, in about three years into the rain. It won't happen immediately because they don't want you to get all wigged out. But you're going to have trouble. You're going to have tribulation. And that's why it's so important that we are a church family. That we cry with each other when they cry. That we laugh when others are laughing. Mark 13, 7 and 8 says this. Let's back up. Did we do John? We didn't do John, did we? 
John 16.33 says this. Did we do that? Let's move on. Let's go to Mark. Mark 13, 7 and 8. There's about five of you that are paying attention here. Following my outline better than I'm following it. Mark 13, 7 and 8 says, But when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be troubled. For such things must happen, but the end is not yet. For nations will rise against nations. Now this is, this is prophecy. Nations will rise against nations and be great famines and troubles. There'll be great famines. Our nations against nations and, and kingdoms against kingdoms. And there will be great earthquakes in various places and there will be famine and troubles. These things are the beginning of sorrow. What this tells me is the day of redemption is coming, but that will also create a day of sorrow. What is sorrow? Sorrow is missing something that you could have had. Man, I'm so sorry. Man, I hate that. You know, man, I wish I'd have got a piece of that cake. This didn't go with it. It's your fault. Sorrow. There's going to be a great sorrow. What is the sorrow for? The sorrow is the fact that you and I have the opportunity right now to turn from our wicked ways, seek His face, humble ourselves, and God says, I will hear you from heaven and I will heal your land. God promised healing to our nation, but the problem is we have nations, we have wars and rumors of wars. Why? Because we're not getting what we want. That's why we fight one another. Because we, in essence, we're not getting what we want. The Bible says we fight not against flesh and blood but against powers and principalities and spiritual wickedness where? In dark places. But we think we ought to fight one another. Figure out everything we can. But this is telling us it's the beginning of sorrows. So it's telling us that wars and rumors of war, that shouldn't scare us. When You remember when September 11 happened? We talked about this a few weeks ago, and this is where the Lord birthed this from. When, when I said that, something just sparked in there. That when that happened, man, people ran to the church. I remember that. I remember the church in Mobile, man. When we saw that, it was like this, oh, they've got, oh, they're attacking us. You know, get them, get them all, kill all of them. Kill everybody on the planet but us. That's what I remember saying. You want to kill innocent people? Die. You don't want me up there in leadership. Y'all learning a lot about it. You think, oh, he's got problems. When that happened, we saw people that went to work and never went home. We saw two major structures fall to the ground. We saw we saw one of our biggest places where military decisions are made plane go into that building. And there were still people that thought we shouldn't take and do something about it. It shook the nation. I remember that next Sunday. Our floor was full. There were people, there were chairs out. Our balconies were full. Our choir was large. We couldn't get the choir. It was mad. It was mad. People were there and they were looking for answers. But that didn't last but about three weeks. Once the media said, hey, it's all right. We got them. We got it all under control. Let me tell you something. Life is never in control. Life is out of control. But your spirit is in full control. You can tell this body what to do. You hear me? You can tell this body not to drink that, not to smoke that, not to watch that, not to say that, not to walk over there, not to touch the monitor. For those of you that were here last week, you have the power. You have the power. As a matter of fact, the Bible says the power of life and death is in your tongue. You have the power to speak positive and good things over your children or speak defeat. You're never going to amount to anything. I want to smack you. How dare you say that to your children? 
they're a gift from God. We need to start speaking the Word, which is life, into every area of our life. Because the Bible says this is the only thing that will not return void. It's the only thing that will not return without power and change. Psalms 35 says this, For His anger is but for a moment, but His favor is for life. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. His anger may be for a moment. His favor is for life. Weeping may endure for the night. Whatever it is you're weeping over, whatever it is you're going through, listen, it too shall pass. It shall pass. We get so caught up in the moment, we think this is going to be the thing that gets me. Here I come, Ethel. It's the big one. Y'all know that show? What is that show? Sanford, son. You watched it too. It's Elizabeth. What did I say? Ethel? What is her name? Ooh, Jesus. How did I get Ethel in the... I think there might have been something else going. That might have been a revelation. <laughs> Listen, here's what we've got to know. We're going to close right here. I still, you, you, I'm going to give you the two points, but you're going to have to look up the answers on your own. Real quick, go to Psalms 91. Psalms 91. I want you to pay close attention to this. Psalms 91. Most of you know this. We've quoted it many times, but I want you to look at it. Psalms 91 we must know where we are. We must know where we stand. The only way you're going to know where you stand is if you, if you pray this because this is safety when you're abiding in the presence of God. Here's what he says. He, talking about you and me, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. We've said this many times. If I'm close enough to you that your shadow can be on you, I'm close. Shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say unto the Lord, He... He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler, from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that walks in the darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, and ten thousand may fall at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. You need to underline that. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord who is what? My refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor any plague come near your dwelling, for He shall give His angels charge over you to keep you in all of your ways. God has made a way of provision. God has made a way of escape for the thing that you find yourself in right now. Here's the problem. God has lowered the safety rope. We just ignore it. We don't want to grab it because we've grown comfortable with where we are. Whatever it is you're crutching on, God is saying, don't crutch on that anymore. Well, it's just the way that I am. No, it's not. You were not created that way. You were created in the very image of God. And a man that knew no sin took mine and your sin to a cross so that the chastisement of our peace was upon Him, that in Him I should have life and have it more abundantly, but also to know anything that is killing you, stealing from you, and destroying you is not God. So stop saying, I don't know why God did this to me. God did not do that to you. And I'm so tired of hearing that. I had a preacher the other day, he said, you're not going to have a very large church because of the way you preach. You could probably know what I responded. I respond this way about a lot of things. I'm not interested in building a big church. I'm interested in building the kingdom of God through salvation. I'm not trying to make friends. Listen, this is the problem that has crept into the church. We're too busy trying to fill up a bunch of pews 
and have a bunch of people and we call that success. Success is when your daughter that's been lost for years walks through those doors and she gives her life to Christ. Success is when someone that has been plagued with sickness for years comes in and God heals them. Has God ever healed anyone? Stand to your feet and give Him praise for it. Has God ever saved anyone? Give Him praise today. God is worthy of all the praise. He said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto myself. Trials and tribulations will come. But he said, be of good cheer, for I, the Lord, have overcome them all. There's nothing you're going through that God has not gone through and understands. For the word, the word of the Lord says, we do not have a high priest that does not understand the infirmities of His people. He knows, but in all things was tested and showed Himself approved. Never did He commit sin. He said, it is written. And if God said it, if Jesus said it is written when He was tempted, then so should we. The problem today is we fed too much on the earth, we fed too much on things of the world, and we have not been feeding on the bread of life. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And it's time for us to say, thus saith the Lord, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. We need to speak to the sickness. We need to speak to the dilemma. By faith, see that mountain move? Number two, what will you say? when your job's gone? What will you say when your kid runs off and says, I hate you? You'll say this right here. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In Him will I trust. You say, well, pastor, you've never gone through anything. Let me tell you something. You have no idea what I've gone through. But you can know this. I didn't stay there. I didn't put up a foundation. I didn't dwell there. I didn't sit and sour and soak there. I said, God, I believe this is just something to bring me closer to You. So Father, when I don't hear You, I'm laying at the foot of Your cross. When I don't hear You, I know that Your Word speaks to me. So if I'm not hearing Your voice this way, I'm going to read every time I read this, it's God speaking. For those of you that say, God never speaks to me, what you're in essence telling me is you're not reading the Word of God. This is His Word. He's not changing anything. And if He says something to you, this is going to confirm it. Well, God, don't speak to me. God don't speak to you. God said, I show no respecter of person. If I can just get over to brother so-and-so, he can give me a word from the Lord. That's hogwash. I get so tired of these preachers that walk around saying, I've got a prophecy for this church. There is no new thing under the sun. God said, all things are new. Behold, all things are past. God revealed Himself to you and to you and to you because He said when He came and when He died, the veil in the temple was rent. That gave you access to the same place I go. Well, you don't understand. There's those that are anointed. Yeah, and there's those that are plain out annoying. They've misled a many a person. If something is said to you, I've said this over and over, it, it better agree with your spirit. Because God didn't just speak to them and go, ha, 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 I'm going to tell them so they can tell you. No, He's already told you. And let me say this to you. He's probably not going to tell your best friend. You ever try to share something God's put on your heart to your best friend? You know her? Debbie Downer? Larry the Loser? Well, if it's God, they'll tell you all the reasons it ain't God. Sound like that crazy monster thing on Monsters and... Always watching... I get so tired of this stuff, church. You have, same, you have the same access to the King of Kings that I do. Preachers don't, preachers don't want to tell you that. They want you to think many times that they've got, they've got, a, they've got a special phone in their office. You remember when there used to be phones on the stage? Remember this? Oh boy. 
This is just meddling right here. Remember when we used to have the great divide? I mean, the dividers for the choir. We'd sit down. There was a phone right there. You know who they were talking to? The sound booth. Hey, order me a pizza. I'm going to finish up about 12.15. You wouldn't believe. Listen, when I got on this side of the stage and I started watching some of these preachers, I thought, oh, get me this. Get me that. No, Jesus said, I came to serve, not to be served. That's why the church has no respect for us. The church, I mean the world, the church needs to be out serving out there and letting the world know we're here to serve you. We're here to lift up the name above every name. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. But what's happened is the enemy's come in and he's created these mountains for you. He's created these mountains for you. I didn't tell them to sing this song. But your mountain does not define who you are. This does. Though He slay me, yet I'll trust Him. I don't have to be approved by you. I don't have to be approved by a council. I don't have to be approved by a state board. I'm approved by God Almighty. But there is authority. And I must submit to that authority. I must pray for those who are over me in the Lord. It's scriptural. Well, God called me to be the Lone Ranger. Well, get on Tonto and ride on out of here. You want it? You want it? Oh, well, God's called me to build this big old building and do this big old ministry. Do you care if I get in front of your church and take up a love offering? No! Absolutely not! God said, I shall supply all that you need. Why don't you trust your God that called you out there? He said, my seed shall not be seen begging for bread. That's the God that I serve. You never see me begging for money. You never see me. Why? Because I am not a beggar. I belong to the King of the world. Would you like to sow into my ministry? No. Would you like to sow? If you sow into my ministry, I believe God will give it to you tenfold. Not enough. I can say a hundred. Gag me. It's not scriptural. You don't understand. I understand you're like a little kid kicking the washing machine because you're not getting your way. That's what I get. I just want to be up front. You can't be up front, you baby. That's mean. I know that's that's crude, but gosh, we've tolerated so much nonsense and we've created a mess. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't tell the king Nebuchadnezzar, you just don't know who I am. You don't know my God. He said, I'm going to throw y'all in the fire. I'm going to light it up seven times hotter. I ain't bowing to your God. I'm not bowing to your God. He said, I'm going to throw you in. Bring it on. We don't have that bring it on spirit no more. We don't, if, if we got to tarry, I ain't waiting on it. I can't wait. You know, I got to go to lunch here in a minute. We got church tonight. Oh, we got a meeting at 4 o'clock. Very important. All the volunteers, if you're volunteering, if you're planning to show up for Kids Fest, you better be here at 4 o'clock. It's mandatory. It is mandatory. We are taking names. If your name ain't on the list, you don't come to Kids Fest. But we get so caught up in this stuff. We get so caught up in, you know, if I tell you God said it, then it has to be true. No, it don't. When they were thrown into the fire, when they were thrown into their mountain, I'm not serving your God. When they were thrown in, the Bible says that the guards were killed immediately. Why? 
because they didn't have on the inside what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had. God was using that mountain because when they were thrown in and they were standing there, the king said, there appears to be a fourth man in that fire and he has the image. See, God will reveal himself. You don't have to do that. There appears to be a fourth man and he has the image of God. See, some of us get close to the fire and brother, we run. I ain't going in there. And you, you'll kneel to every little thing. Every time the enemy says boo, you go, oh, 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 no, I got an ingrown toenail. It's going to cause rotten. I'm going to get staph infection. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Pastor, will you pray for me? Yes. I have to because the Bible says if there's any sick among you, I'm called on the elders of the church to pray, anoint their hair with oil, and pray the prayer of faith, the first prayer of the righteous shall fail much. But I'm not touching that toe. The Bible says to be set apart to be a peculiar people. Peculiar people. We're not peculiar like we used to be. You know, now it's kind of a joke that the Pentecostals hang from the chandelier, speak in tongues and do all this stuff. But what used to amaze me about that is every time there was a problem, they always came to the Bible about your church of God to get prayed for. They came to the crazy fanatics. I used to get made fun of at school. Where do you go to church? I go to the Bible Baptist Church of God in Irvington, Irvington, Alabama. Longest name I've ever seen for a church. Oh, you go out there with them crazy people. Yeah. You want them fanatics? No, my mama is. But brother, you let them get sick. You let them get in trouble. They run to the church. Instead of us going, what are you doing here? We ought to be doing this. Welcome home. Welcome home. But have we not gotten to the place like the prodigal son's brother? I've been here for 20 years. You ain't throwing me no party. That's what he said. The prodigal son comes home and the dad sees him at a distance says, get a robe, get a ring. Clean him up. Let's throw a party. Big party! Party! When the sinner comes. But I've been here forever. My mama was here. My grandmother was here. And I'm a charter member. That don't get you at the front of the line in heaven. I'm a charter member. I'm a char- oh, I've put in my time. Time for what? The Bible says study to show thyself approved. You don't have to go around telling everybody who you are. If you do, you're not who you say you are. Well, this is just tough. Tough grits in there. But you got troubles. Anybody have any troubles? We've all got them. And if you don't have them right now, they're coming. I hate to tell you that, but the Word says it. Trials and tribulations will come. So I want to ask you this. We're going to pray. I want you to close your eyes for a moment. And I just want you to be just still for a moment. I know, I know it's later than normal, but this listen, time is not important to God. And it shouldn't be important to us. But we make it. We, we can shut ourselves down because of time. But maybe it's those that tarry. Maybe it is those that wait upon the Lord that get the renewed strength. I think that's in there too. As your eyes are closed, if you'll say, Pastor, and it seems like my mountains are just one behind the other. and They're just higher than normal. And I've tried. I've tried to pray. I've tried to do what you said. Stop trying and just do it. It's hard. It takes discipline. Listen, it takes a lot of discipline because your flesh does not want what the Spirit desires. They war against one another. The reason many of us are living in defeat and famine and despair is because 
He says, if you sow to the Spirit, you of the, if you sow to the flesh, of the flesh you will reap corruption. But if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap everlasting life. Which means that we're not going to necessarily reap if we're sowing to the Spirit here as much as we are as laying those treasures up in heaven where rust and moth cannot destroy. But we are promised many blessings here on the earth. Let me tell you something. The reason... And people say, I don't understand the blessings that you have. The things you say, they, listen, you don't understand the, the secret place. You don't understand the Psalms 91 moments I have. And I don't say that braggingly. I say, listen, there's times that are there that, man, it's, it's intense. But it takes discipline. And discipline is something that we don't like to do anymore. And it's created a mess in our systems of schools, in our government, we don't want to hold people accountable anymore. But this word will hold you accountable. You'll say, Pastor, today I just feel I just feel overwhelmed. The mountain's shadow is so large and this valley is so deep. And I honestly, now listen, admitting this does not mean you don't have great faith. Admitting this lets you know where you are. You say, Pastor, I'm overwhelmed. Will you raise your hand? Nobody looking around. Will you raise your hand? Will you say, Pastor, yeah, I see your hands. Yeah, I figured it would be a massive number because I feel that. And that's why the Lord laid this message and laid these scriptures on my heart. In this world, you will have tribulation, trials and tribulations. But let me say this to those of you that raised your hand and those that did not. Be of good cheer. I know that stuff. It doesn't even make sense logically. Be of good cheer. Why? He says, because I, the Lord says this, not me, I have overcome the world. Which means the things of this world will soon pass away, but this Word will not. So hide yourself in the Word. Hide yourself in the Word. Feed on the Word. Before you feed this flesh every day, Feed yourself the Word. Vow to do this. The same amount of time that you spend eating, spend it reading. And I promise you, listen, I promise you, you'll see a change in your life. Father, many were the hands that were raised. Many are those that are here that are contemplating all kinds of things in life. Lord, when we read the top five crises of families in 2018 and we read about the five reasons why people are not coming to church. It makes perfect sense. But it shouldn't be that way. Father, bring us back to being the body. The body that carries your gospel. And not just carries it, but broadcasts it to a lost and dying world. To share the gospel, which is nothing more than the good news to all those who are in despair. Father, the reason today many does they don't believe what we say is because they don't see, they don't see that in our own life, so they don't trust what we say. But you're raising up, Father, I believe this. You're raising up churches. You're raising up people. And Lord, for years have been silent, but they've been praying. Oh, I feel that. I feel that so strong. God has heard every prayer that you prayed. God has seen every time you've come to this church and nobody knew about it. God has seen that Psalms 91 prayer closet. And He says this to you today, that that you do in your secret place, He said, I, the Lord, will reward you openly. Today is our day, church. Tomorrow's not promised. Yesterday's gone. Father, for those that raise their hands, Let's do that. Just reach over and put your hand on the shoulder. Don't hold their hand. That's weird nowadays. You don't, you don't hold hands in church. Just put your hand on the shoulder if you feel comfortable. Don't ask them anything. And don't just pray this. God, perform in their life what you've called them to do. Perform your will in their life. Father, we ask you today as we pray together one for another.
Father, perform in our lives what You have willed in our life. You fearfully and wonderfully made us, each of us, in Your own image. God, we have a purpose and You have a plan. So Father, let our purpose follow Your plan. Lord, You said if we seek first righteousness and Your kingdom, that all the things that we desire shall be given to us. Father, we thank You. We thank You in this place because we know that You not only hear us, but You answer us. For Your Word tells us, Father, that You incline Your ear into the righteous. So, Father, we praise You. We thank You, Lord, that You are. You have already made a way for us to speak to the mountain. And without having unbelief, it has to be removed. I don't know what the mountains are, but I know who the mountain mover is. And that's You, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.